This is Ben Gillespie interviewing Terry Carbone, Program Director of American Art at the Henry Luce Foundation at her home in the Hudson Valley. It is September 10th, 2020, and this is for the Smithsonian Institution Archives of American Art Pandemic Project. Terry, could you tell me about how your work at the Luce Foundation has changed since March of this year? Sure. Um, our offices closed um, on the 11th of March and by the 13th, I had left the city um, to take up residence in Hudson Valley. Um, and I began immediately to have phone calls with museum directors. I believe my very first one with, with Adam Weinberg at the Whitney. Um, and those conversations were urgent and they were also a little chaotic because at the very, very outset, no one quite knew what we were facing. And those conversations continued and developed over the course of, I would say, the first three weeks of lockdown. And they began to be a little more formulaic as museum directors, I believe, with some encouragement and direction from AAMD, um, began to devise a series of staged scenarios, um, which naively began at first with ones that were focused on weeks rather than months. So there were three week scenarios which were followed by one month, three month and six month scenarios. And those were essentially fiscal plans but also um, personnel plans in terms of who would remain in the buildings uh, who would be retained at their current levels. Um, and after the first three weeks, it became very apparent that the May goals, which were initially seen as worst case scenarios, were folly. And uh, people very rapidly started assessing their capacity to open in even June or July. And I have to say that uh, my heart went out to these directors in particular uh, and administrators in general who were just dealing with um, the complete unknown of the situation and trying to simultaneously have a plan that would be financially, fiscally responsible, but also attend to their responsibilities towards staff, keeping them safe, but also keeping them employed. Um, and this, don't forget, was the very early phase when the government had not yet made available the option of the PPP loans, um, which I look at as essentially a, a second phase in these conversations. So initially, I began talking with current grantees. Um, the Foundation's American Art Program has at any given time approximately 100 or 125 grantees um, with active grants. And these were my priorities because people were of necessity reconsidering the um, viability of project work and um, the availability of project funding. So we quickly made a decision within the first couple of weeks to begin our conversations by inviting museums in particular financial distress 
to request reallocations of funding so that they could divert project funds to short-term salary support, and that was our priority. And those salaries could be project-related salaries, but they didn't have to be. We were trying to be as open-minded as possible and um, quickly realized they would have to be just at the discretion of the museum. So if it ended up that um, they were prioritizing educators or frontline staff, if the salaries of um, administrative personnel were key, or if there were curators who were not on uh, stable endowed funds, it was really up to the museum. So I would say that the first six weeks of work were um, very much about those reallocations. We spoke to, uh, and I'm sort of a one person program here. So um, I personally spoke to close to 40 museums around those reallocations. We ended up having fewer museums take them than we anticipated. We made approximately um, 12 rea major reallocations um, and then moved on to the option uh, of emergency grants. And this was in response to our boards um, granting a permission for grants to be made in the uh, interim periods between board meetings with the approval specifically of our um, board chair and the foundation president. So these were um, rapid response grants and they really were quite rapid. So uh, I started reaching out to other museums. There was a lot of word of mouth around who was really in need. Um, and what was really challenging was that over the years, um, the American Art Program is almost 40 years old, and over the years we've worked with close to 500 museums. So there was no way we were going to be able to assist every museum in need. So um, it was a challenging process. Um, we were trying to, especially in the pre-PPP period, we were trying to respond to museums we'd heard or learned through our conversations. Um, we're really losing staff or losing capacity to re retain staff uh, rapidly and uh, who also had significant programs in American arts. Um, so we ended up um, by the end of May uh, between the reallocations and the emergency grants um, assigning uh, well over $3 million um, specifically for short-term salary relief, staff retention, and other emergency operating um, needs. So that was um, a breathless period of months. And um, in the mix, um, we began to have regular, I began to have regular conversations with my colleagues at Terra and new colleagues at ArtBridges to see if we could somehow complement each other and avoid redundancies. And those conversations, uh, initially just with Terra, but soon, soon thereafter with um, the new head of ArtBridges, um, were helpful in that the aim was to see how wide a net we could spread without duplicating efforts. Um, 
and those conversations worked very well. Uh, I think we were all bolstered by having conversations with uh, each other who were in the same fix of wanting to do as much as possible with the understanding that we couldn't nearly do enough. Um, when we started to hear about the granting of the PPP loans, which I have to say were, the whole process seemed to have been much more fruitful and rapid than we anticipated. <clears throat> we had to understand that some of the institutions to which we'd given emergency grants were then receiving these loans, which was initially a little, um, you know, worrisome because then uh, one had to consider whether there were people who institutions had had not received the loans and had not received emergency grants. But the truth is that those loans were pretty much a stopgap and, and all of the museums would have them run out by the end of July. So it was another um, plug in the dam, if you will. Um, but most museums were then facing yet again at the end of July, the kind of um, reckoning with yet another round of fiscal estimates um, and coupled with the widespread po postponements of reopenings. And so, um, you know, we're seeing more reopenings now. We were surprised when Houston opened in mid-July, but that seemed to go very well. So it's kind of promising. Um, you know, the understanding is that with the restrictions on capacity, which are mostly at the 25% of attendance level, um, museums will be pleased to be reopened, um, but they will not be regaining their financial footing as a result of reopening. And that's the new threat, I think, um, which is when will um, attendance and visitorship be fully um, resuscitated and can museums sustain staff and operations at the necessary levels um, until they resume their full activities, programming, uh, dining, shops, you know, all the things that contribute to the earned income. Um, there were a few museums that surprised us with a lack of need owing to the fact that oddly enough, they'd never been able to rely on earned income. So um, it was a lesson in, in sort of the range of uh, fiscal arrangements at various institutions. Um, and of course, in the mix, we were inundated with requests for alterations to projects, whether they were extensions or postponements of exhibitions, um, cancellations of exhibition tours, and all that was like a, a sort of ongoing thread of conversations um, underneath all of the activity around emergency support. Um, and we were um, uniformly approving of whatever revisions to project plans were necessary. Um, I think that particularly in the realm of loans and tours, um, museums experienced 
an extraordinary level of collegiality and mutual support that I hope will continue. Um, that was a positive outcome. Um, no one was able to return loans. Um, no one was able to um, approve of couriers. Um, it was, you know, this is something that may in fact impact the operation of projects, at least in the short term. Right, and so I mean, hearing about just this incredible mobilization effort to to find out where the need is to get the need there. Mm -hmm. um, how do you see the operations of the Lewis Foundation changing in in the wake of this? And what are sort of the the legacies of the twenty twenty crisis, and how not to say you administer the grants, but how you're going to select and design grant programs? Well, you know, it's a good question, and it's one that we're working out on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, one of the things we did do, because we did have a regular June board meeting, and there were grants that were slated to be made for um, major projects, including um, reinstallations, you know, deep study projects, and what we did was um, essentially to reclaim some of that funding for emergency grants, we cut those projects in half, basically, for their funding, knowing that they would have slow starts at any rate. Um, you know, at any given time, we are in conversation about the following year. Um, so there was already a tentative lineup for 2021 grants, and of course, the majority of those were project-based. Um, we will be reevaluating those on a case by case basis, and the reevaluation will include considering the financial stability of the organizations we were hoping to sponsor in terms of projects. Um, I don't think we will be moving ahead with non urgent projects. Um, we certainly will resume. When our, when our coffers are refilled in the new year, because they're virtually empty at this point, um, we will resume some emergency grant making. To what extent remains to be determined, we, we are not making an arbitrary decision, but we'll rather base our decisions on what we understand to be the needs as of the new year. Um, you know, the initially the longest scenarios were through the end of 2020. So people are going to be reformulating. Uh, they had calculated their deficits for the fiscal year. They will, my guess is, be revising those upward. We will probably begin, begin another round of conversations. We will have to um, return to evaluate all of our live projects for viability and uh, completion dates. Um, I will hope to make new project grants when we can understand that the projects are truly viable. I think that um, we want to be optimistic, but we also have to be realistic. So in the short term, meaning the next year and a half, if our funds are better used to just stabilize institutions and their staffs. 
we are willing to forego the the sort of uh, excitement and rewards of of project work. Um, I will say that we did move ahead with our annual loan loan exhibition competition this year, much reduced, about half of the funding we normally um, dedicate to that process. Um, we normally spend between um, one and a half and two million dollars on the loan exhibition grants every year, and we cut that in half. Um, we're going to be spending just oh, slightly, very slightly over a million dollars. That was a huge um, curtailing of that effort, which is an important one in the field, but we had to be realistic. Um, and you know, the timelines of these projected exhibitions um, will be fluid, I expect, um, and will be fairly liberal around that. But um, we moved ahead with that because the understanding is that renewed visitorship is much more likely to be driven by special exhibitions than by permanent collections right now. Um, and I think um, we're seeing that in the results, for example, with the reopening of the Met, there's been a lot of buzz around the Jacob Lawrence show as a driver of attendance there. So we didn't want to take away from museums the capacity to attract visitors with special exhibitions, but we had to be realistic about how much money we were gonna to put toward that. So I suspect there will be another round of special exhibition funding next year some project funding, but I do expect that um, we may yet again uh, dedicate two or even $3 million to emergency funding next year. It really remains to be seen. And just to, to bring this to a close, I'm wondering what would you want researchers 50 years, 100 years from now to know about this particular moment and this sort of, this, uh, these interlocking crises within the American art world and within the mm -hmm. United States. Mm -hmm. They have been interlocking between just the health risks, the financial catastrophe, and, you know, a reckoning with um, the need to revise practices in museums in response to the anti-racism movement and um, and understanding that the lack of capacity of museums right now is making the latter of those three terribly difficult. Um, I think it will be seen as a turning point in museum practice for a lot of reasons. I think museums will need to revise operational practices that had become just kind of rote, whether they are, um, you know, the highly ambitious uh, loan exhibitions um, or um, means of making collections accessible. I think there are a lot of good questions that will have arisen out of this. I just, um, and I've, I've been pleased to see the willingness of a lot of museums 
take on the challenges as well as they can at this moment. Um, but it will also be um, it will also be a time when we lose, unfortunately, some members of the museum community, whether they are, you know, museums that don't come out of this, financially speaking. Um, and that's my greatest worry. Um, I do think there will be some very positive, accelerated responses to necessary challenge, you know, the necessary challenges around the way we work. Um, I just worry that uh, with communities being hit so hard, we've yet even see the impact of the <coughs> um, inevitable declines in municipal funding for public museums. That's, that's what we're about to see with the res resolving of fiscal city, state, and federal budgets. That's very scary. So I will um, hold my breath for those museums that are on the brink and hope that somehow they can pull through uh, and, and continue good work that they do. Well, I will hold my breath with you and uh, thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thank you, Ben.